0: You're listening to the very first season ever of the Lifestyle Company podcast, hosted by Kristen Forgione, designer, public speaker, and creator of Organic Desert Living. If you like talking design, business, and life without the filter, you came to the right place. In just six years, Kristen grew a one-woman side hustle into a multi-million dollar creative business. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Armed with grit and hard work, Kristen comes to you unapologetically with some tough love. They say wine is cheaper than therapy, and lucky for you, we've got that last part covered. So pour up and let's get to it. Hey guys, I hope you were able to listen to episode 11, which is about our design process. Blanche and I were able to record it when we were on location in Santa Barbara, checking on one of our projects, and it quickly became one of our favorite episodes, definitely mine, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for Blanche too in saying that we both had a blast recording it and have enjoyed even more reading the messages and the feedback from you guys, both designers and consumers alike. Tons of you were kind of shocked from what it seemed that one, I guess, about our process from a designer standpoint, I think there were a lot more people that were really surprised at how our process is so different than other people's. And why we do what we do, and we were able to explain a lot of that. And then from a consumer standpoint, a lot of consumers messaged me and said, wow, I had no idea that that was the type of planning process and just process in general and strategy that it requires to do design correctly at least in my opinion. So I'm so glad we were able to share some of that. It actually that episode topic was not on my radar initially. I was never planning on talking about our design process and as the episodes went on and as we were really thinking about and listening to your feedback so many designers were asking for more information on our process and how we do it and how we manage our time. So it felt appropriate um, toward the end of the season to be able to go into that with you guys. So Awesome episode. If you haven't listened to it, definitely catch it. This episode, episode 12, it's the last episode. Well, it's actually not the last episode because on episode 11, I decided to promise Barb's bonus episode, lucky number 13, which will be dedicated entirely to questions. So questions and answers. So this is the last official episode in the long format of season one, which is... Has gone by in a flash. Slash, became a humongous undertaking (laughs) that I wasn't prepared for. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys about podcasting. I, I mean, I know you're shocked that I'm going to be totally honest with you, but I'm going to be totally honest with you about podcasting. Um, It has been such a labor of love. It is so much harder than I ever thought it would be. I kind of similar to blogging, I just think, and kind of similar to doing anything right these days, right? Like, it is such an undertaking. It takes so much more time than you ever think it's going to. I personally feel like being alone in a booth with your thoughts and trying to project them out into the world is a very scary thing that I have been lucky enough to just kind of fit right into, I'll say. I'm not the best podcaster in the world by any means, but I I don't think I'm the worst. So that's a good place to be for the first time, I think, right? Or for the first season. I have learned so much. I have been able to connect with so many more people than I ever thought I would. I definitely feel like with this season, my goals were met. I hope yours were. I hope I was able to meet your expectations and help you guys, whether you're a designer or a homeowner or a consumer or an accountant, as I always say, or whatever you're. Is I hope I was somehow able to provide something for you to take away. I'm thinking that you're probably not catching on into this on episode 12, which hopefully means that you've listened to other episodes. Um, Our downloads have only gone up. It's really interesting to see the statistics on which episode was the most popular. Um, episode five with me, Blanche, and Rach is still the most popular, which is, and the most downloaded, which is just so funny because it's seriously such a hard episode to listen to. So I don't know, maybe people downloaded it, listened to five minutes, and then turned it off. But, um, way, way, way more downloads than any other episode. And so here's where the honesty comes in I don't know if I'm going to do a season two. Ah, I said it. I said it. Um, I'll tell you, recording weekly is a real challenge. So I don't know if you guys have ever thought about the logistics behind podcasting, but like all the big, the bigs, the big, and we know who the bigs are, all the bigs, um, they batch record. At least that's what I'm gathering from the inside info I've got in the podcasting world now. They batch record, so they block you know, a couple days a month or a couple days a week or a week a month or however it works for them based on how many episodes they do. And they just kind of sit down and just record. And for me and my brain, I just can't do it that way. Or I guess in the first season, I can't imagine doing it that way. And I don't know if that's because it's so new to me that I needed your feedback. I needed to hear from you guys so that I knew I was on the right track and that I was giving you what you wanted. This is Yes, about me, but I never sought out to do the podcast for me. I sought out to do the podcast for us, to be able to connect and help designers and help entrepreneurs and help creatives and talk in a deeper, more expanded way than I can on social media. So um, I needed that. I needed that connection that sometimes, like I mentioned before, I wish I could just like patch or patch you guys in, batch you guys in, whatever that radio term is. I wish I could be like, okay, and call our number, whatever. Talk to me. I wish I could do that. And I've thought about doing lives while I'm recording. And maybe at some point we'll do that. Um, if we do another season. So, and actually someone asked me the other day, are you going to do another season? And she caught me at the perfect time where I was just able to expand a little bit. And I was like, well, I don't know. I, I want to, I, of course, still have so much to say, and every single episode that comes out, you guys give me more and ask me more questions and go deeper. So I definitely think from a content standpoint, we would have plenty to talk about. But um, recording weekly is, is really, really hard, and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of discipline to step away from, we'll call it my real job, which is being a creative director and principal designer, to do this. And... So I'm just kind of I'm just kind of on on the fence. And so this person that I, that was messaging me said, you know, what are the deciding factors? Like, how can I help you decide to do it again? Because you have to do a season two. And I couldn't really answer. I couldn't really give her an answer. I don't I don't know what the deciding factors are. Um, I, I really don't know. I'm I'm a big, as you know, authenticity person, organic connection person, like got to feel it in my heart and my gut person. So I'm kind of waiting for that I'm waiting for that to kind of hit me a little bit and And when I know, I'll know we have some really amazing things that are happening that you guys will know about very, 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 very soon, I promise. And so that's going to take up a lot of my time for the coming months, and we're just going to have to go from there. So let's make the last two episodes count. This one about Airbnb and Barb's bonus episode, Lucky Number 13, will be all of the Q and A um, questions and answers. So If you've ever had a question throughout this podcast and never asked or I wasn't able to for whatever reason get back to you or I wasn't able to give you a full answer or whatever, definitely listen to episode 13 because I'm literally just going to take all the questions that I've compiled over the last 12 episodes and over Instagram and anything that I felt was relevant to the podcast and just read them and answer them and it's going to be very off the cuff and I think it'll be really beneficial and entertaining. So Last session. Here we are. Here we are. Kind of. I might get a little emotional. I. I really. I really might. Um. We'll see. Where am I? I am no longer in Santa Barbara. I'm back in my trusty studio with the rugs on the wall, which I really love. The studio. If If I do come back, I'm definitely gonna have to. Um probably i don't see that's another thing getting to the studio is tough i don't know we'll see our pillow fort studios have been working well when we've been on location too so maybe we'll just kind of roll with that what am i wearing i'm wearing my favorite shoes from the midsummer days collection that we just launched last week they are called orbit and if you go to shop.com and type in orbit like the solar system, they will come up. They are simple multi-strap platform. They're so comfortable to walk in. If you have an issue with like heels or you prefer wedges, you would absolutely love these. They're neutral. They're amazing. I love everything in that collection. I don't know how. It just keeps getting better every single time, but it is and it's wonderful. And if you missed a piece and it went out of stock, we are restocking a bunch of the items next week. So make sure you you do actually put your email into the back in stock alerts so that as soon as it gets restocked online, you can go ahead and order it up. And then we will also distribute some of that stock to our brick and mortar location in downtown Gilbert so that if you prefer to shop in person and we see you there, you will have dibs at some extra stock too. What am I reading? I have still been trying to kind of finish up a couple little paragraphs in Wildflower by Drew Barrymore. I know kind of a rando one that I'm throwing in there because I usually talk about business books or books on parenting or whatever, but I started reading her memoir, Wildflower. Gosh, probably like three years ago I'm not even joking and it and I just never finished it so uh, because I finished my other books I just kind of picked it back up where I left off and the other one actually speaking of business book that I just saw again when I was finding wildflower in my bookcase was Thrive by Ariana Huffington if you haven't read Thrive An amazing book, so couple that with Business for Bohemians. If you're a parent, definitely How to Raise Successful People and then Thrive by Ariana Huffington. It is a great book, again, super easy read, perfect vacation read. Definitely one of my favorites. On the radar, we had two new associates start this week. So we hired a retail manager and she's also kind of becoming the face of our retail brand, at least. She is a beautiful, beautiful person inside and out. Her name is amanda lynn so you will see her a lot more on our shop photography and a lot more on our social feeds and she is also our retail manager so she'll be taking over that and we didn't get rid of anyone we are just expanding and and we need more strategy and more assistance so amy our director of ops is still doing her thing with retail we still have our merchandiser melinda we have our retail staff and then we have our buyer corey And then Amanda Lynn just joined that side of the world. And then we also hired our design associate. So she will support Rachel, Kylie, and I. And her name is RJ. Her name is actually Rachel. And her boyfriend's name is Brandon. And our Rachel, our existing Rachel, Rachie, and her boyfriend's name is Brandon. So it's weird. And so we immediately like not even joking in the interview. We're like, hi, nice to meet you. Can you change your name to RJ? Because her name is Rachel Jones. So she's RJ and she has been called RJ before. So she was totally down with it and cool. And so she started this week. So I have no idea what she thinks of us. I can only imagine the shit she goes home and tells her boyfriend that we are doing and saying, but that's us. Take it or leave it. So we're really excited to have her Anna Mandolin, on the team. We have grown to a team of 13 now crazy how fast it's happening it it it's just nuts and we literally need every single person like their oxygen so should be crazy continue the the crazy continues absolute death in the moment are gifs you guys didn't know anything about this and yes I also thought it was gif like g-i-f it's apparently like the peanut butter gif like gif peanut butter And Kelly, our marketing manager, has designed our own The Lifestyled Co. Organic Desert Living GIFs, and we are fucking obsessed with them. The best part is that you guys will be able to use them, too. So if you're wondering what a what a GIF is, it's when you're on Instagram and you're on stories or people send them in in text messages too. It's kind of like the dancing, like the animated emoji icon things. And now they have them in like every color of the rainbow and every use. And so we made up our own that are brand specific and you guys will be able to use them too. And as soon as they launch and they get approved by Instagram and they're actually out there and you can search for them, we'll tell you all about it. We'll tell you what to search there's a nude face with heart eyes you know like the i don't even know what they call him he he has a name heart heart struck or something like that um but that one will be a nude face with black heart eyes we have a death death it says death and like the h's flash at you we have a dancing fiddly fig tree a sun a hashtag odl in this like beautiful nude color that we use we have organic desert living in our new font some of my handwriting people are always asking me what like how I got my handwriting like the handwriting like the script on the screen which is such an ironic compliment because my handwriting is impossible to read and there's only like four people on earth that know how to read it my mom my best friend Ashley well and I guess everyone on the team now but um, my handwriting is really hard to read. I It's like I'm a doctor, but I don't get paid like one. And so people are always asking me how I write like swipe and death and love and good morning and all that. So Kelly was also able to grab my handwriting from the screen and make a gif of that. And of course, Rosé rosé so we have rosé glasses and you guys will absolutely love them so we will let you know when they're live we basically sat around a table and said like what are all the gifs that we're always looking for that we can't find and and made them so you guys will get to use them too so that is my absolute death in the moment i'm so obsessed airbnb i'm frankly really surprised how many people are so interested in airbnb how many people wanted more information on owning an Airbnb, being a host. I'm just really shocked. I mean, of course, most of us have stayed in an Airbnb or a VRBO or, you know, it's kind of Airbnb, I feel like has kind of become a term. It doesn't necessarily mean you're booking through the Airbnb site, but basically a vacation rental. I know we've all stayed in them and maybe some of us stay in them more often like it's definitely one of my go to's I pretty much check hotel rates and I check Airbnb rates wherever I'm going and kind of try to see which and and I don't always go with the, the cheapest but and try to see what makes the most sense I guess for what kind of experience I'm having but I was really surprised how many people wanted more information on owning and operating one. And I was even more surprised how many of you think that you're going to make a gazillion dollars being an Airbnb host. You're not. Um, (laughs) You're not. You're not. And I'm going to tell you more about that. So first, let's go back and let's talk about how we started planning for buying our second home so one of the reasons vince and i moved from we used to live up north in another area and we moved down to gilbert which is where we live now and for those of you that are out of state these are all suburbs of phoenix and they all carry a little bit different kind of real estate opportunities so we used to live up north in north scottsdale and that's definitely considered a higher end area real estate's more expensive your money um Definitely doesn't go as far as it does in other areas. So my parents actually moved down to Gilbert and it's just, it's south. It's about 45 minutes south of where we lived before. And Gilbert is an amazing community. It's one of the best cities in the country for sure. I'm 100% positive it's been voted as such in a bunch of publications over the last few years. Great place to raise a family. It's just an awesome place. It's yes, it's hot as hell here. It's like 115 today or it was yesterday. I think it's going to be like we're we're getting some relief because it's 108 today. But yeah, same temperature, still hot as hell, but so just about 45 minutes south and my parents moved down to Gilbert and so we followed after and one of the reasons why other than wanting to be close to my folks was so that we could basically buy the same house for like $150,000 less and actually I I personally think our house is better now than it was even when we lived up there in terms comparing like apples to apples like house to house. So one of the reasons we did that is because we wanted to take that money and put that into our first flip, which we flip property, which we did. And we did several after that. And also we wanted to have a down payment to buy a second home. And we did. So we were able to do both of those things from the sale of that house. So depending on what your situation is like, I am a huge believer in buying real estate as early as you can, Um, especially if you live in a market that has stability or is in an upward trajectory. It is 100 percent what set Vince and I up for all of the financial decisions and the funding that we've been able to do ourselves. I've never taken out a loan for the lifestyle company. I've never borrowed money from anyone. Every single thing is self-funded. So. I think that our personal real estate choices really helped us with that. And timing has a lot to do with it. And of course, like I like I mentioned, you need to be in a location that that has a solid market. So that may might not be an option for you. But we were able to get our down payment from the sale of one of our homes and It was both really important to vince and i and we basically found a location and i started looking right away as soon as we knew that we were in a financial position to be able to do it and one of the other really great things that we did to make it more attainable for us is we bought our second home our cabin with our family so my cousins are really close to us they're some of our best friends and they're a little bit older than us but they were in a good financial position too so we talked to them about going in together 50 50 on this property so the property is owned by an LLC that all four myself Vince my husband and then our two cousins who are married um and those two as well. So there's four of us that are owners of the property through the LLC. And it's definitely important to put your property that you're going to be renting out from a liability standpoint in an LLC. I'm not a lawyer or an accountant or a CPA, so definitely involve your professional services that, that help consult you. But it's important to make sure that you're protected so that your personal assets and any other assets that you have can't be combined if, God forbid, something were to happen and, and could be at risk so i started looking right away we were kind of between locations so for us it was important that we were somewhere where we could get multiple seasons out of the airbnb so we knew when we bought it that we wanted to be able to rent it out to offset some of the cost of ownership. But ultimately, what's most important to us is that we ha- we keep the cabin and we have it as a family place that we can go. And now we spend holidays there together. We go for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We are just there for July 4th and we can uh, a place where we can be together and we can leave the cabin to our kids. I don't know if it'll be this cabin that we leave to our kids or another cabin or what. But again, getting into real estate in a, a market that has upward trajectory is a great choice. So we wanted to get in and we wanted to get our feet wet and start understanding how owning an Airbnb would work. So we started looking at a couple different locations, Show Low, Pine Top and Flagstaff. And again, to, to the people in Arizona, this, this will mean something to you. If you're not in Arizona, you may not have much, um, appreciation for these places but they're all mountain communities for the most part. Sholo and Pine Top are right next to each other. Sholo's kind of the big city of that mountain in the White Mountains which is east of Phoenix, northeast. And then um, Pine Top is kind of the little town within that big town, but they're all both of them are on the way to the White Mountains, which is where you can ski and snowboard and tube and do all of that. And then in the summertime, of course, you have that mountain to do summertime activities. There's a bunch of lakes and biking and kayaking and fishing and the whole thing. It's like an outdoors men's dream. Then Flagstaff is another mountain that is kind of northwest of where we live. So they're, they're, pretty close to each other about three and a half hours away from each other and both about two and a half and three and a half hours away from where we live. So we did a bunch of research first and foremost do a bunch of research you need to go to the places that you're thinking about having a vacation rental in for us there we call it up north they're both up north and Do some research, go to the grocery stores, look at the neighborhoods, figure out what you want. Definitely try to envision what you're going to do there. If you're going there always to only snowboard, you probably want to be pretty close to the mountain, right? If I'm going there to always go fish, I probably want to be pretty close close to the lake. And of course, there's going to be some deciding factors in there, likely price or budget for the house that you want for the proximity that you can get toward these sort of benefits or amenities, we'll call them. So... After a couple trips, we went up to Flagstaff, we went up to Sholo, we then really started trying to narrow down what we wanted. I also think a really good helper in the whole situation is we got a real estate agent that was local to the community where we were buying. We know a million real estate agents down in Phoenix, and we definitely could have worked with them because they're licensed by the state. But we really felt like we wanted someone who lived in that community, who knows about the community, who can tell us the inner workings, who can tell us if this is a good area, not the best area, an area in transition, tell us about everything that we need to know about the neighborhoods, just like we would if someone was asking us about our neighborhood. So, we found a great agent up there. They were able to pull a bunch of options for us, and we scheduled a day. and We went up there, and the first cabin that we saw was Drift Fence Cabin, which is the one that we've bought. And you can look up the hashtag on Instagram hashtag Drift Fence Cabin. It's also in my profile at Kristen Forgione. And it is this beautiful 1977 A frame. It's on a quarter acre, it has these gorgeous, picturesque windows in the front of it and you pull up to i mean it's just it's like truly heaven on earth for us i just think it checked every single box it needed a little bit of work but not so much work that we were going to have to spend the first six months driving three and a half hours back and forth we also bought the cabin in the middle of winter it was january so you're of course dealing with weather and we basically just knew even as a designer Do I have the resources to be able to completely transform someplace so that is reflective of of our portfolio? Maybe, but it was not something that we were looking for. So we needed to find something that was within our price range that we could quickly kind of paint, slap some lipstick on, make some aesthetic changes, upgrade a couple things, furnish it beautifully, and then start renting it. So that's pretty much what we did. We saw drift fence. We saw five other properties and just nothing could compare to to our little a frame cabin. So we bought it. We used our down payment. Then we took out a loan on the property, which you've definitely got to work with a good loan officer if you don't have cash to buy a place outright so that you can make sure that you're structuring the loan property properly in our state. There are some pretty specific parameters about second home purchases and vacation home purchases and really any home that is purchased that is not your primary residence there are some specific parameters around that so being educated on that definitely helped as well so we made an offer we got the house we were pre-approved which you also want to do and we are kind of rolling so we closed on this house in 30 days and got got the house and I think the other thing that I really am happy that I did early was research on Airbnb, So as soon as I found the area that we wanted to be, I started pulling every Airbnb listing that I could find that I felt was comparable. So for us, be- because we own the lifestyle company and I'm an interior designer, I was really only looking if there were any listings that I knew would have the great photography that I knew we would have a cohesive design plan in a lot of instances cabins especially in the areas that we're in they are a transition of a second home truly and like the stuff that was in your first home that still is functional goes to your second home so it's a hodgepodge of furniture and dishes and like there's no brand identity and there's no experience and it all it, it's cute and it's quaint and it's fine but I knew that those homes wouldn't be renting at the level that our home should should rent at. So I was looking for other listings that could tell a story and had an experience and were clean and and were cohesive and had a beautiful color scheme and were inviting and you know made you look at the listing and say like, "Oh, I want to go there." And at the time there was literally nothing. There was not one. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing for In Airbnb, you definitely want to have one that can compete with the best in your area, but you don't necessarily want to be the only one because if you're the only one, that definitely makes it challenging for, let's say, special event groups like weddings and bachelorette parties and things like that. Um, And it also might mean that that location itself isn't that desirable for Airbnb. So I think in my head, if I'm looking at a city that comes up on Airbnb and it's got five rentals that is probably not going to be the best place to buy an Airbnb. You want a thriving community where there are other rentals and, there are, and the rentals are booked. So that's the other thing. I looked at the calendars. To make sure that they were getting some traction if you see 10 listings and all 10 of the listings have no b- blocked dates all the dates are available for the next you know three months that's telling me that people are not renting those houses and there's got to be a reason why so you really need to do research and auditing airbnb in the location that you're looking at so that you can make sure that that is a viable locale and that people are in fact renting airbnbs there and the more Uh, you know, the more off the beaten path you get, unless you're, let's say, in Joshua Tree, which is a destination in and of itself, the more challenging it will be to find an uh, Airbnb community, we'll call it. So I did all that research. I wanted to make sure that it was viable. It was absolutely. And there was a lot of room for our aesthetic and for us to kind of take over and provide that organic desert living feel up in the mountains. And it worked out absolutely beautifully. So we bought the place. I went up with my team we designed it and then came back home ordered everything and then went back up and installed and the install took two days we installed everything paint painted over wallpaper took down fugly lighting added countertops changed bathroom fixtures like a lot of really cost-effective things it probably cost us I'm gonna say And we ordered some wholesale pieces, not a whole lot because um, wholesale tends to be more expensive sometimes than lower end retail. So it's a lot of highs and lows in there, Um, kind of a lot of lows. I mean, we got some great, some great sofa sleepers that we needed that I thought was really important so that we could have enough beds to sleep 10 people. Um, But lots of lots of cost effective pieces. I'm going to say we probably spent about twenty five thousand dollars total to make the space livable enough to have a brand identity, to be representative of our portfolio and to share it with everyone that we know in our network and our Instagram community so that we could get some bookings. So we were able to install it and design it and get it photographed and get it out there. And we used a company called Evolve, which we have actually been really happy with. Um, Evolve is a multi, let's call it kind of, I don't i don't know what the exact terminology would be but basically evolve is a broker we'll call them for vacation rentals so when they manage your profile you have a house listed on evolve and then their team actually manages the profiles on vrbo airbnb home away cabin away all of the different um outlets that you know all the different coms we'll call it that you can go to and and find an airbnb or a vacation rental So for the first like year, it was great and we were all about it. And we are still on Evolve and we're happy with them. But about a year in, I started noticing that we weren't getting a whole lot of listings from Airbnb. And what was interesting is that... Is what I call it, right? I'm like, oh, we have an Airbnb. That's what everyone else called it back to me. So it was just really weird that, like, f- looking at the traffic, a whole a lot of the traffic, really none of the traffic, was coming from Airbnb. So I decided to pull Airbnb off of e- the Evolve platform and manage that side of the booking ourselves. So I'll go into more details on how we actually manage the property and what that looks like in a bit. But I thought it was important to mention right off the bat, we used Evolve and we had another um, acquaintance let us know that they were using Evolve for their home. And that's kind of how we got started with them. I had never I had never heard of them and we have since referred them to other people. So we're definitely happy with that service. This is not a sponsored podcast or anything. I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned who we use in the beginning because they did really make it seamless and easy. So we get the house furnished. We get it photographed. We then needed to find our services up there. So who's going to clean the house? Who's going to take care of when we run out of, let's say, toilet paper? Who is going to let us know when there's cobwebs all over the place because it's in the middle of the woods? Who is going to dust? Who's going to paint when things need to be painted? So these are all things that have happened that we were totally caught off off guard with at one point or another. And we actually had a cleaning crew that we thought was okay. So that's been the biggest challenge. I think people always ask me like, what's the hardest part about owning an Airbnb? The hardest part is having reliable resources. And so if you're going to own a second home or a vacation rental in your neighborhood or somewhere where you live where you can actually get there in a moment's notice if you need to, that's a huge advantage. We own a cabin that's three and a half hours away from our house. So it pretty much takes eight hours to drive there and back in one day. So that's not something that we can just do so it is really important that you have those resources set up and again go back to that is this a viable locale for airbnb the smaller the town the more challenging it is to find reliable people so finding a cleaner and keeping that cleaner has been the hardest part add on in today's world of of instagram crazy branding madness i own a creative company therefore i need everything in my life to be reflective of my brand add on trying to teach said cleaning company in small town how to style and how to make a bed the way I do. (laughs) It's really, really hard. So that has 100% been the hardest part of owning the Airbnb is making sure that from the photography that we shot a year ago or two years ago, that that experience is still what every single person who checks in feels. By far the hardest part when we go up there you guys I'm not even kidding you I go buck wild the first like 10 minutes when I get there is an absolute fucking heart attack Vince hates it my girls like notice dear clear because I'm just walking around and like everything's out of place I have made an in-depth styling guide like the fucking thing is laminated like we are we're not messing around here but for whatever reason (laughs) they just can't seem to get the styling right and I cannot stand that we have things that are out of place and I created a intera- or an interactive guestbook so that when someone gets check-in instructions, they get a link to an interactive guestbook. So you can click on the guestbook link and it will tell you our favorite restaurants, where to go, phone numbers, grocery stores, emergency information, stuff about the house, how to work the range, how to work the cooktop, um, all that kind of stuff. And it also has a section that says, Where is this? And it's in alphabetical order. So you can go to Where is this? You can look for B batteries. And then it tells you where the batteries are. Well, I'm like, I spent a freaking weekend forever ago making sure that all these things were in this place so that when someone looks for this interactive guest book, they can find the things, you know, in someone else's house. And it is always all completely messed up. It's all there, the pieces are always out of place, things are never put back. And it drives me absolutely crazy batty like it makes me crazy and then I walk around and I start looking at the beds and they've put a queen comforter on a king bed oh my god I cannot even explain to you guys how insane it makes me like the pillows are turned upside so I think to the average person they're thrilled and it's fine but like it fucking drives me nuts it's so literally the first 10 minutes are an absolute heart attack every single time we're there and i go back to the styling guide and i'm texting the cleaner like hey just want to make sure you have this and vince is worried about it and we've got people at the office that are dealing with it and so that has definitely been the most challenging part word to the wise if you're going to own a vacation rental do not make a linen scheme for each bed (laughs) Sometimes I just can't turn the designer off in me, and I wish I could go with white bedding. White bedding, all the same sizes, or be prepared to like color code—not not the color of the sheets, but like put some sort of key and color coding something that anyone can understand, regardless of the language they speak, or kind of—I don't even know—because it will drive you likely crazy. And the, the linens end up on other beds, and there's like things in the owner's closet that shouldn't be there that like our guests need access to and it's just a freaking challenge so that's definitely the hardest part is securing your services and then of course you need a landscaper you need depending on what kind of locale you own in if you have a house where you get multiple seasons so you get fall winter spring summer we don't have that here down where we live we basically go from summer to winter and back again You need someone that is going to clean out your gutters and rake your leaves. And then once you get into snow, you need someone who's going to winterize your place or bring in your lawn furniture or your I'm sorry, your patio furniture or, um, you know, make sure that you have salt and uh, shovel for snow. Make sure that your stairs have railings that are attached so that people don't slip and fall and die. Um, Make sure that your tires have, you know, that you have a gosh what do you even call that you can actually get in and out of the driveway so you've got something that you can like plow somebody out of you need a plow you need some a service to come by and plow the snow in your driveway so that you can get out So people don't get snowed in I mean there are so many things that you don't really realize that you might need and then keep in mind too the level of the furnishings that you put in the home I'm really glad that we went with that kind of low low mentality we picked some really great pieces that look really great but there's not one thing in there that if it got ruined I would be disheartened by. Um, We have two heirloom nightstand pieces that have been in my family forever and I used to have them in my room and we've since moved them out and we store them at our warehouse and I thought about taking them to the cabin and then I just thought like oh my god if something happens to those I will just die and when you are allowing your space to be occupied by other people ninety. percent 5 we'll say percent of the time the people that stay with us are amazing and they love it and they write in our guest book and they draw pictures for our girls and it's just the greatest time ever but there is that five percent of the time that you're like oh I wish they would never stay with us again because things are damaged and they leave a mess and they don't tell you that their dog shit on your carpet and like there's just there's just stuff that's just nasty that people do that you don't you don't know about and you don't always have recourse for so let's talk about finances Airbnb has a really good option to help guide you in setting your rates. It's called like the smart rate something. And basically what it does is it uses an algorithm to identify and determine what the rates of the places that are being rented closest to you are. And then evaluates what your house looks like and what your photography looks like and all that and spits you out basically a suggested rate. There are some times that we have the rate lock or the rate suggester on, and then there are other times that we don't. So we know, based on our area, that there are some major holidays that always get booked. Thanksgiving, Christmas, July 4th, Labor Day and Memorial Day are really kind of the the main five and they are always booked no matter what. So we can set those rates higher because we know that they will always book and we don't have to worry about what whether they'll book. And if they don't, we're kind of okay with that too, because we would like to be up there at that time. So if you can come from a place where you're not struggling to make those mortgage payments and keep the house going, you will have a lot more flexibility. And that of, co- of course comes with your financial situation before you bought the place and making sure that you buy a really good Airbnb option and making sure that it's in a highly desirable location and all of those things. And every Airbnb is not gonna be perfect. You have to weigh what means more to you and what's gonna help you more from a revenue standpoint. And you also have to think about, are you trying to make money from this thing or are you trying to offset owning the asset? Or do you, like, what are your goals? For us, We always knew that we would buy a second home that we would have and that we would hold it and we don't have any intention of selling it. Doesn't mean we won't ever, but we don't have any intention of selling it. So that being said, we are comfortable paying for it if we have to. I can tell you we have never had to, which is so cool. And so for that reason, I feel like no matter what happens, we're on the positive side. We've never had to take money out of our pocket and put it into the cabin. There have been times where the cash flow has been challenging just because the way that the the different sites pay you maybe you won't get a payout from a stay until let's say later in the month but we've been able to pay ourselves back and so it's always taking care of itself so essentially the cabin other than our down payment which is is cash that we had that that was sitting that is now invested in this property in this piece of real estate for the most part the cabin takes care of itself but this is the million dollar question no pun intended we are not like making a ton of money on this Airbnb and I would be really interested to hear from other hosts and other owners if they are I know you can make money from it I think you have to have a really really sound tight experience and process and you have to have your costs completely under control which probably means that you're doing a lot of it yourself We obviously can't clean our cabin because we live three and a half hours away and we need to be able to have someone there that can help with our tight turns. And there are lots of times that we have someone checking out on Sunday morning and someone checking in again Sunday afternoon. And like so it's not an opportunity for us to clean our cabin. It's really not an opportunity for us to fix things at our cabin too when we're not there. We can't just hop in the car and go up there because of our other commitments. So we fix things, of course, when we're there by ourselves for for our leisure. But So we have to outsource all of that. So we have not made a tremendous amount of money. We also reinvest back into the cabin. So let's say the first year, I want to say we probably made, and that means after expenses, Let's say we made like $7,500. That's it, you guys, $7,500. And because we own the cabin with another party, that's split in two. So take that and split it in two. (laughs) It's definitely not enough that you would say you were making a bunch of money yes we're making money yes the cabinet pay- is paying for itself but we're not making money and then we took that $7,500 and reinvested it in the cabin and upgraded all of the appliances the appliances were really cute and quaint but they were legit from 1977 and it at one point the oven like ate a pizza would not open locked and like burned and thank god the people that were there were like uh okay it's fine no big deal we sent them a pizza from the pizzeria up there and basically apologized profusely and had to give them some money back for their stay because our oven ate their pizza so we took that money and rolled it right back into the cabin. We've had to have the carpets cleaned several times. We, of course, have to have the windows cleaned. We have had to replace the furnace. That was a 30 or 35 or $4,500 replacement. So there is and we bought a house in really good condition. So there are going to be things that are unexpected. You I I don't know that I am the authority in Airbnb because I am not going to be the one to tell you that there is so much money to be made. It is also a lot of work. So let's talk about the workload. We run our Airbnb through our office. So if you go to our website, www.thelifestyleco.com, there is a, a tab that says Stay. You can click on that tab and then you can click on Cabin Life Starts here and it will take you right to our Airbnb page. And Evolve, we still have as a booking system, but we also have Airbnb. So we are running the risk of having double bookings, it would be highly unlikely that at some point someone would be hitting stay on Evolve and hitting stay on Airbnb at the exact same time. I watch my email like a hawk, as does Vince and as does Amy, our director of ops, who is the person who actually manages all the correspondence for our Airbnb. So it would be very rare so we decided to take that risk and we haven't run into any problems for the most part there was a couple a couple challenges but we were able to work through them with the guests so Amy is actually the person who on Airbnb, she has to, after a reservation, she has to contact the guests, say thank you for booking. And then as the reservation gets closer, she actually needs to email them, check in information, all of our house rules and policies and procedures, um, ask them if they have any questions, what time they're arriving, all of that stuff. On Evolve, that is all taken care of. Evolve is automated. They send an automatic email. It's really interesting. that difference in the amount of work for the owner with what platform we're using. And let me get back to why I pulled Airbnb off of Evolve. As I mentioned, I was just noticing that we were not getting any traffic from Airbnb. And I thought like, how can that be? Airbnb is a platform that focuses largely on a community. It is a, it is just like a social platform, except it books houses for you too so they want to see that the hosts are engaging and that they are providing excellent service and that they are being a a part of the Airbnb community especially the host community and while Evolve is great they are a corporation or I should say they're a business a small business that manages these profiles and it's it's I'm going to call it once removed from a personal experience so Airbnb actually manages the profile I'm sorry evolve actually manages the profiles on Airbnb and they place up to 10 houses on one profile that they manage so I personally have a theory that I just think Airbnb while they are happy to have evolve as hosts they're not waiting that sort of user the same way that they're waiting a user that owns one property and again this is total theory I have in no way confirmed this with Airbnb it just seems to be a general hypothesis in why we were getting no traffic from Airbnb so we pulled it off Evolve and now we manage both platforms and the difference in the work in having to manage reservations and bookings from Airbnb versus having to manage reservations and bookings on Evolve is at least double because truly, we don't have to do much on Evolve. On Airbnb, we have to do a lot. But the bonus to Airbnb is we pick up so much short term business. So let's say it's Wednesday and there's a couple dates available this weekend. There is a good chance that that will book on Airbnb. On Evolve, we would not see that. We found much longer stays on Evolve and much further out. So we get stays from Evolve. Let's see, it's it's July right now. We're getting bookings on Evolve for January, 2020. We're not getting stays on Airbnb for January, 2020. So it's super interesting to see how different the platforms perform. And we're great with both of them. And I like using both of them. If you're on Evolve now or if you're planning on being on Evolve, I don't know that they'll let you not publish on Airbnb. I think um, we got in with them when they were really early on in their company and early on in the services they were providing. So for us, we have been able to navigate through that, but I'm not sure if they're still doing that. So. I'm hoping this information is helpful for you guys. It's kind of just like my download on how Airbnb works in my mind and what our challenges are and how much money we're not making. (laughs) Um, But again, our goals were to offset some of the cost. Offsetting all of the cost was an absolute dream. And that's pretty much what we've been able to to do so i am super lucky and thankful that we have it if you've been to the cabin thank you so much if you haven't been to the cabin go we have had visitors from all over the country i definitely think our visitors here from the valley are the ones who go up the most and for the most part everyone has been amazing so in the last little bit here let me talk about guests and guest satisfaction and how you keep people happy interestingly vince and i both come from a health a hotel background I personally think that helps tremendously because coming from a hotel background, especially a five diamond hotel background, you have really specific hotel corporate training that basically is beat into you that you can't turn off. So I want to comp everyone's day for everything because I feel so bad that they've stayed with us and something's gone wrong. Now, there are things that are in our control and there are things that are out of our control. And I also believe that the way you handle it is 99% 99% of leaving a good taste in someone's mouth. Similar to the way we run our design business, we are always going to do what's right, period. End of story. And I'm never going to let someone's stay be compromised by $50 or even $100 or anything like that. So I think it's important as an owner to know that there are going to be times that you have to compost day and there are going to be times that you're going to lose money on that weekend and it's okay. And hopefully it all goes into the pot and you end up okay in the end. But Airbnb as a community also penalizes you when you have negative reviews, when you have to cancel a stay They're 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 kind of watching. They're kind of like Big Brother style, like they're watching and they will not give you super host status if you have um changes and cancellations they won't give you super host status if you're shifting guests all the time and and having to adjust and alter reservations if you have to give refunds so it's kind of a perfect storm of pretty damn close to perfect to get super host status so we are working on our super host status we've been eligible twice and then we have had cancellations or something i want to say both times that were out of our control that that um took that opportunity for super host status from us. So, and Amy was super disappointed because she busts her buns to make those experiences so great. So communication is another huge one. Have we had guests that have been fucking horrific? Yes, (laughs) we have. There have been guests that we have said, like, actually, we don't want you back. So I'll go ahead and take your shitty review and you can never come back again. So thanks. And it happens. And there are just going to be people in this world, very similar to my theories on design, that you can't make happy and that they, they were looking for, I don't know what kind of experience, but one that we can't provide for them. These are not our people. Let's just get through this and move on. The great thing about a vacation rental is the stays are generally short. So if you're going to open up to longer stays, like a month, you definitely have to have your shit together so that you're not running into issues. If someone is staying there for an extended period of time, you're probably going to have to have the trash picked up more than once, right? You're definitely going to have to offer to have the the place cleaned. So you have to make sure that you're building all those costs in so that that doesn't end up costing you more than you're making by extending your vacation rental for a month. So when something goes bad, first and foremost, apologize profusely be sincere, be normal, right? What do you want when something goes bad? You want an apology. You want someone to own it. You want someone to try to understand the situation in its entirety so that you can work toward a solution. As an owner, I'm trying to work toward a solution. And as a guest, I really appreciate when an owner is trying to work toward a solution. So again, there are going to be people that they don't, Care why, and they're mad and they're angry, and all they want is their money back. And you will then have to decide whether it's appropriate and whether it's worth it, and whether whatever is happening is worth the amount of money that you would have to refund. Most people are really understanding about saying, Hey, I totally get it. Let me comp your first night. I'm so sorry this happened. Let me know if there's any other challenges. Here's my cell phone in case you need anything. So, for the most part, Airbnb, you go through the app. We found that if you give them your cell phone right off the bat, it seems that they're a little bit, it kind of disarms them a little bit and they, they feel like they're talking to a human, which is is really important. Of course, you need to be quick to correspond. If for some reason you are not going to be able to respond to Airbnb and you know you have a guest, you need to let them know. You need to basically say, hey, I'm gonna be out for the next 12 hours, I'm hiking whatever, or I'm off the grid, or I don't have service, or I'm not available, so that they know that there is a time that you're going to come back when they can get a hold of you. Being at someone else's house and not being able to get a hold of them is absolutely terrible. There will come a time when your keypad on your front door that most Airbnbs have stops working. It's happened to us. You need to make sure that you are answering the phone or your app to tell them where the key is, which you also need to have, so that they can get in. It happened to us and it was the middle of a snowstorm and this woman was by herself and had three kids and she was standing at the door and she couldn't get in and we were panicking. Like I'm, you know, we're talking to her, we're calling her, we're telling her what she can do. Everything turned out fine. Everyone was fine. She was very appreciative of how serious we took it. But if we weren't around and we just weren't answering our phone, it would have been an absolute disaster. I would have freaked the F out if I was that woman with my kids in, you know, it's just like, it's just can't happen. So there will be people that will not be happy. And I truly believe Like with all things in life, the best thing to do is just listen, apologize, try to understand the situation, likely offer some sort of compensation um, and just go from there. For the most part, everyone that we have had has been amazing. I have heard horror stories about damaged deposits and people ruining other people's homes and knock on wood. We have never had that happen. It's really important to understand what the policies are on whatever platform you're booking through so that you need to know if you need to gather a security deposit or a pet deposit or what, let's say, for these purposes Airbnb is is willing to insure if there is insurance. Evolve was really wonderful. We had something stolen at one point. We were able to show them a photo of it. We filled out a report and they wrote us a check. It was that easy. There was no questioning about it. So that I I really liked and I liked that they were like I said not not questioning us about it and and they were just really fast to say okay yeah no problem we want to replace it here here's the funds to do so so That's kind of everything that I can think of at this moment about Airbnb and kind of what our process was. As I've mentioned, we don't have any intention of selling it. It has been a wonderful blessing for our family. We absolutely love it. We are paying for it and there's a teeny tiny bit of extra that we just leave in our account that we have decided with our partners that we're just going to continue to reinvest um, I think someday we hope to build up there. We, we have a half acre, so we would love to build an addition or build another, um, you know, little guest house or something like that. I want to paint the thing black so bad I can't even explain it. I try not to think about it because I want to do it so bad. But there's a really specific time of the year that you have to do it before there's snow and we have to block dates. And I don't want to do that because we want people to be able to stay in it. So always a moving target, if you will, in owning a vacation rental. But if you're looking for an overall endorsement, it's definitely something that I would recommend if your goals align with what you're really expecting. Again, we are not making a shitload of money. We are super happy with the fact that we're able to have people enjoy it like we are, the fact that it is for the most part paid for in its entirety and that we have a little bit of extra money that we can put back into it so that it can stay good and beautiful and quaint and and wonderful for us for the near future. So I would normally go into questions, but just like we did in episode 11, we're going to save those questions for episode 13, Barb's bonus episode, the official last episode of season one. I hope to see you guys there.